is Heather. Today we're going to talk a little bit about how there's memes everywhere and motivational speakers that all talk about find your voice and the message is loud and clear, but we don't really talk enough about why we need to find our voices. What has happened? Like what is the cause of our silence? Why do we need to get there to be able to speak our truth? Okay, so first of all, before we get too deep into the conversation, I do want to thank everybody who listened to the intro to my first podcast. I set a goal and I achieved it thanks to you guys. I really appreciate your guys' listening. Also, hopefully this time it sounds a little bit better and I'm learning as I go, so I thank you for your patience. Alrighty, so hopefully I can get my thoughts all out there and have it not sound too jumbled. I've been trying to think of a way to piece it together, but there's so many different thoughts and feelings that go behind this particular episode. The whole purpose of this podcast is to create that community that feels safe to use their voice. So this is, you know, something that I'm extremely passionate about is the whole reason behind this podcast. So I thought it fitting that we just jump right in. So what traumas or what experiences have we gone through that we have felt silenced? I've come up with a couple different things. It's childhood, our gender, our sexuality, our career and relationships like specifically abusive relationships especially ones with like narcissists so we're going to dig a little bit into each of those and kind of give a little bit of my perspective on that stuff so I was talking today with a friend about where that feeling of silence originates from like where it starts and We were talking a little bit about different experiences and we both feel like maybe it starts for most people anyway in childhood. I know for me it did. And let me start off by saying that I'm going to share my story. Anybody that knows my family, I want you to know that I do not think badly or anything. I'm really appreciative of how I grew up and my parents, nobody's perfect, especially as I grow older this parenting gig is hard and there's no rule book and my parents were dealing with their own sort of trauma and it kind of just got passed down to me no fault of their own I am extremely extremely grateful for like my dad and the efforts he has made to be a wonderful father so I just want to clear up the air ahead of time before I start recording this yeah, so my very first memory of feeling silenced would be shortly after my mom passed away. My dad was dating, and I wasn't ready for that yet. I remember acting out and giving him hell, frankly, for having a girlfriend and moving on. I was little. I couldn't express those feelings of I wasn't ready. She could not replace my mom. And so I acted out. Um, That was no fault of his to know, like, because he was going through, you know, losing his wife. It was extremely hard for both of us. We were both going through it. But that is the first time that I can truly remember feeling like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I couldn't say what I needed to say to my dad at that particular moment when I needed him the most. 
So after that, there were some other times that I definitely feel like I probably felt silence, but nothing was quite as memorable, I guess you would say, as the first time that I had my first massive panic attack. Um, It came from feeling silence and not being able to express my feelings or my needs And I was 16, maybe 15. Um, I'm not 100% sure how old I was. I was around that ballpark, though. And my parents had just told me that they were pregnant. And I was okay with that in general. Um, But then we found out that there were twins. And I had a panic attack. It was another mouth. We were very poor. Um, I helped a lot. I did a lot of, you know, helping my dad and I did a lot of, you know, housework and raising my siblings while they worked and such. I was a huge part of the kids growing up. So I felt a lot of responsibility. Um, some of it I put on myself and, Some was, you know, just the culture that I was growing up in. It was kind of just expected. Um, Nobody really asked me if I was okay. Nobody asked me how I felt, what they could do to help. And it was extremely hard to maneuver around not even knowing what a panic attack was. Because, like I said, we didn't really talk about it. We didn't, my mom kind of just thought I was being dramatic and it made me feel like I needed to be less than what I was and to feel like I needed to hide that side of me because I didn't want to disappoint them. I see now looking back that that is probably a huge part of who I am now, where it came into play with people pleasing and feeling the need to shrink myself when I feel like I'm too much or that I'm causing some kind of issues for whoever I'm talking to. That is my first memories, I guess, of where I started feeling silenced. Again, I know that there was probably more, but that is the main part that I remember. I know talking to my friend today that we were kind of going over different ways that childhood can affect that. And they were saying, you know, feeling like they, the way that they giggled, the way that they talked too much or too loud or the way they closed the door, the way they walked, never felt like it was good enough. And I know that we've all probably been there and feeling the same way. So I know that they're not alone in that feeling. Um, For me, um, grew up, in a really old school religious family, you know, it was said that, you know, ladies acted a certain way. We didn't, you know, we were kind of meant to be seen, not really heard. My dad would kind of always be like, well, you, you know, speak up and kind of would make a joke of it and try to encourage me. And I, I see that now, but at the time, you know, that expectation of you don't want to be too loud or you don't want to be too, you know, out there, so to speak, it was definitely frustrating to feel like you just couldn't show up authentically. And I think that's what a lot of kids feel. 
they're constantly eating and told, you know, be quiet, you know, lower your voice, don't talk so loud. I need you to, you know, not talk unless, you know, basically you're being talked to, don't interrupt and so on. And while I do believe that kids should have respect, I do believe that we as a generation could be better with raising our kids to know that they can express themselves. And I'm trying really hard with my kids. Um, Boundaries, setting boundaries has been a really big thing. And I'm very proud of my kids for being able to speak up about their own boundaries. Um, I definitely think that we don't give our children enough of a voice. We don't teach them. I mean, I think that it's changing and I'm thankful for that, but we don't give them enough voice and enough time to explain like why they're acting out or, you know, what's going on in their, in their lives that, you know, may make them act in a way that we don't necessarily want them to. And I think that we need to be better about that because I feel like that's going to be where we flip the script, so to speak on, you know, our kids as they grow up feeling less silenced than what we did. All right. So let's talk a little bit about sexuality. So I was talking to another coworker today and we were talking about how being part of the queer community, especially in the younger generations, they have it a little bit easier than those of us, you know, millennials, so to speak. I know that I didn't come out as pansexual and polyamorous until I was like 29 when I met Alex. And I know I knew when I was 16 that I was, but I held that in for so long because I felt like if I can't even express the feelings that I'm having a hard time adding another baby into our family, how in the world am I going to tell them, especially, you know, a religious family that I am not like them. So I know that for people that grew up feeling silence, that the sexuality is a huge part of it and it affects our mental health. Like growing up, I, I couldn't act on anything. I couldn't really say anything because I was so worried about what they were going to say. And that made me spiral into depression and anxiety. Again, if you can't show up as your authentic self, it, you got to hide part of yourself it's, it takes a toll. I don't care what anybody says. It's definitely, it's hard to keep that kind of a secret in and to feel ashamed of it when there's nothing to be ashamed of. So I think that, you know, sexuality is a huge part of why people feel silenced today because not everybody grew up able to, you know, come out like if my kids were to come out and say that you know they were part of the LGBT community we of course we would accept it but growing up for us it wasn't the same as it is today I think that um it needs to be talked about more about how holding that in affects our mental health and to encourage future generations and not hold that secret in because again there's nothing to be ashamed of all right, so here is where we get to the part where my thought process starts going a little crazy. So bear with me as I navigate through this. Um, abuse of relationships, particularly with a narcissist. So 
I don't know about you, but a relationship with a narcissist is definitely emotionally draining. Um, it is terrible for your mental health. Um, I've been in a couple different relationships that were with a narcissist and the last one was a doozy and I know that it put me into the worst mental state of my life um ended it and it took me a good five six months and even still now like there's certain triggers that I still have that just spiral make me spiral and it is so hard to you know break that cycle and one thing about a narcissist is they will love bomb you and they will make you feel like you're absolutely crazy that you are the problem it's not them and they're gonna say you know well if you didn't if you did this or you did that or you didn't do or you know you made me do this if you just basically if you were different in the way that I wanted you to be I wouldn't treat you like that. And they make you feel crazy if you try to speak up. And it gets to a point where there's no point in even trying because you really truly believe that it is you, that maybe you're just being too overbearing or you're just expecting too much and or that you really do deserve that because you're a, a terrible human being. And I promise you that that's not true. Um, they're the problem. But it definitely is hard to break that mentality. And I can't say that I have completely broken it, but I know I'm getting there. I'm progressing toward that. Um, I don't think it's something that you can just get over. I think you have to consciously work toward breaking that mentality of it's not you. I think that a lot of people that have been in an abusive relationship or with a narcissist definitely feel silenced because, you know, you can't really speak up because... For one, nobody might believe you or they'll be like, you guys look so happy. He seems so nice or she seems so nice. And I don't even know where to go with it besides it's it's hard. Um, I know for me, I got suicidal and um, I did not see the value in living because I just thought I was this terrible human being because he treated me like crap and I took it for so long without speaking up for myself because I felt like I couldn't. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm really going with this besides, you know, that is something that I really think that women in general feel like, you know, they're silenced on and what they experience in relationships and their traumas that they went through. Okay, so gender. This is something that I'm still kind of mentally really thinking about lately, um, how people with gender dysphoria, especially the trans and non-binary community, how they feel silenced. And obviously... I said it that, you know, Alex is transitioning and um, I have a friend, Corey, who is non-binary and I don't have a whole lot of experience in either one of those. So I'm learning. And as I'm learning, I hear a lot of feelings of, you know, being in the wrong body, of feeling silence. I couldn't really 
talk about it because nobody really understands it. And so I was talking to Corey today a little bit. And one thing that I've noticed about them is their pronouns. People do not use the correct pronouns and it really bothers them. And I can see it in their face and there's nothing that I can do besides, you know, educate the people. Hey, you know, their pronouns are they, them. Can you please use it? Because they won't speak up for themselves because they're in a professional setting and they don't feel comfortable enough to do that. When I was talking to them, you know, they were talking about how once you know somebody's pronouns and you still refuse to at least try like slip ups yes they happen but like if you refuse to try that is so mentally taxing like it just drains somebody because if you can't if you can't respect the boundary you know or their need and respect who they are as a person it just what is even the point and I think that that is true for a lot of people with any kind of gender dysphoria is, you know, if you, if you know, and you understand to a certain extent that they, that they are wanting you to accept it and show up for them because that's what they need. And you just refuse to, I think that you're purposely, maybe not purposely, but you're putting them into despair so yeah, I definitely think that people that identify as non-binary or trans, I feel like they probably have the most feelings of silence because for one, people just don't understand. Um, there's a lot going on right now with the whole LGBT community and just in general that I feel like they don't know who would be accepting and it is almost unbearable to feel like you wouldn't be accepted um, especially by family by friends so they just hold this so such a big thing in and don't feel comfortable enough to to address it and to be like hey no these are my pronouns, you know, this is my, you know, preferred name. Like I need you, I need you to do that and, you know, to show up for me because it is my need, it is my boundary. So I definitely think that we definitely need to be more conscious about that. I know that I slip up with wrong pronouns occasionally and I'm trying so hard. So if you do identify as non-binary and or trans and I slip up, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I am working on that. That is probably something, one of my biggest things that I'm working on right now. All right. So the last area that I want to talk about for today anyway, where somebody might feel silenced is in their career. Um, I have a lot to say about that because that is one of the biggest reasons I left the food industry. Um, as a GM, you know, it's ironic, you know, I went to school for a psychology degree, but I made more in the fast food industry, especially since COVID hit, um, than I would as a social worker. And that is sad but true. And I had to go where the money is. I had a family to feed and I had to do what I had to do. But the biggest struggle for me as a GM 
was it felt like my voice didn't matter. And I remember calling my old boss, Ian, once and saying, you know, it's so frustrating because as a GM, you are a voice of your people to the your bosses, but you're a voice to the company, for the company, to your people, to your team, the people that they don't really care about anybody above you. They work for their leaders, not their boss, but their leaders. And there were many times that I spoke up for my team members and, you know, addressed situations. Like one way that I was raised was you always defend those who need to be defended. You always stick your neck out for those that can't or won't because they're afraid to, if you're in a position to be able to, and you treat everybody with the same respect. It doesn't matter your title. It doesn't matter, you know, your income. It doesn't matter your tax bracket that you're in. Everybody deserves respect. And in the food industry, I found that it wasn't equal. It wasn't fair, you know, higher ups would come in and they'd make little comments or, you know, one time I had somebody that was an above restaurant leader come in and tell one of my people that were working for me that she had to get over her anxiety because anxiety wasn't even real. And I remember asking him to leave and he looked at me and he's like, you understand I'm your boss. Yes, I do. But do you understand that that is a human being that you just told to get over it and that the feelings that she's feeling like you just totally made her not feel valid. Like her feelings are real. Like your presence, I'm not asking you to show up any way other than what you are, but your presence is making my team uncomfortable. I need you to go to another store. And, um, I think that that probably started a spiral effect of them coming for me, so to speak, um, because it got harder and harder from there on out. And I kept speaking up and I kept talking for my team, for my people, for myself, like, hey, this isn't right. You know, this is unethical. I will always speak up for my people. I might not speak up for myself, but I will always, always speak up for my people. And I feel like that made me a good leader and people worked really well for me. And I had amazing teams. Some of the best people that I've ever met, you know, worked under me and I'm so proud to watch them, you know, accomplish their hopes and their dreams. You know, I'm still friends with so many of them and I'm so proud of them. But for me, that was such a huge thing to feel silence, to feel like I needed to speak and nobody would hear me. It was really hard. While I do believe that we are progressing in the right direction with women in the business field, um, I still feel like there's work to be done regarding that. Uh, I'm reading a book right now and the author is talking about how they were taking a public speaking course and they teach women to lower their voices to keep it steady, avoid getting emotional, but not sound too sing-songy. Tighten up your words. Don't up-talk, talk enough, but don't talk too much. Breathe, but don't sound breathy. Sound and look confident like a man. And I was kind of thinking about that. And it just blows my mind that for one, it's 2023 and women are still facing that. 
but the expectations, the two highest standards, like I don't, I feel like, especially as a woman that does still feel silenced in the career field, that it's hard to speak up and to be like, no, like, listen to me. I feel like that is still something that is kind of not talked about enough. Like women are still struggling to be heard, to be respected as much as a man would be. And I, I think that has to change. Like women definitely, again, are progressing in the right direction. Women are fighting for our rights of other women everywhere. But I know that I personally have felt silenced in the career. I know, you know, my friend Corey that I was talking about feels silenced in their career. You know, they're in the fitness industry. They don't feel like they're taken seriously enough because, you know, all they wanted, you know, people just assume that they just, you know, want to look good and that's it. They don't really know what they're talking about. They're not taken seriously. And to be honest, they're one of the best fitness trainers around our particular area and they should be taken seriously and they should be respected. And I, it's so sad to me to see so many women in this, in businesses, not just in the fitness field, but in all fields that feel like they can't, that they're less than a man or that they feel like they have to fight for their place it's not okay. And while again, we're, we're working toward the right direction, there's still a lot of work to be done regarding that. And I think that we all need to partake in encouraging each other to speak our truth and to know that, you know, to demand the attention in a room, like we don't need to change who we are to be heard. Our message is our message and we should show up authentically because it's going to be received a lot better. I don't care what anybody else says. Anyway, I could talk about this for literally hours. I could go on and on about all the different ways and different, you know, stories that I've heard and experiences I've personally lived on, you know, feeling silenced, but I don't want this episode to be too awful long. Um, so we'll call it a wrap for today you know, on this stuff. I'm definitely interested in some feedback, you know, what you think, like your stories, feel free to reach out to me or um, we do have a Facebook community group. It's called the Savage Daughter Podcast. Um, You can, you know, request to join. It is a private group. I try to keep, you know, the privacy of the members because, you know, they might not be ready to share their story publicly, but need that community. So I do have it as a private group, but you're more than welcome to join it and share your stories. I definitely would like to hear how you feel silenced or have felt silenced in your life. And yeah, that's about it for today. If you like this podcast, please share it to all your friends and family. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Feel free to follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. It is hmcgarity90. Facebook is Heather McGarity. Feel free to join that group again. It is the Savage Daughter Podcast. And that is a wrap for today. Shout out to Ian for the music in this podcast. If you like it, go give him a follow on Spotify. His username is Hi, I'm Ian, all together, like no spaces or anything. And yeah, that's it. Peace out, homies.